Greetings to those who watch below. For today's video, we're going to take another look at some more terrifying hotel paranormal stories. But before we start, I'd like to say thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, M.A. Way, Julie B, Jess Black Curtain, Christina Groves, and LT Punisher 666 for being those who dwell below, an exclusive channel membership that gets you shoutouts to the start of every video. Before I continue, I'd like to remind you that I'm now in charge of the Creepypasta.com YouTube channel, so if you love Creepypastas, make sure to check it out. Also, please feel free to subscribe to both this channel and Creepypasta.com, making sure you hit the notification bell so that you never miss a video. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. The Ghost in the Mirror by Dreamweaver 3450 From the 16th to the 18th of August this summer, my mum, her boyfriend, along with my little brother and I, vacationed at Ocean City, Maryland. Everything was wonderful, except for our motel, named the Islander. To be honest, the room we were staying in couldn't have looked creepier. Basically, there were two beds in the room. One was closest to the door and window, while the other, my bed, was placed directly in front of the bathroom. Anyways, it was late at night, and I had only recently gotten off my computer. Everyone else had fallen asleep already, and we were waking up early the next day, so I figured I had to do the same. I walked across the room to turn off the light, and ever since I did, I couldn't shake off the feeling that I was being watched. The curtain to the window was closed, and everyone was asleep, so I just thought I was overreacting at the time. However, the green light cast from the air conditioner spread just enough light into the room to see my bed, as well as the bathroom directly in front of it. For some reason, I couldn't help but to stare into the bathroom, as if I might see something move in there. I tried to fall asleep, but my eyes kept on dragging over towards the bathroom. That's when I looked in the mirror, which I could see from my bed. It looked like a faintly visible figure was standing in the mirror. Keep in mind, I was laying down, and the mirror was elevated higher than the bed, so it couldn't have been me. It just looked like someone standing up close to the mirror, from inside of it. What I saw scared me, and I was too afraid to get up in the dark and just close the door. Instead, I moved closer to my little brother, covered myself with the blankets, and went to sleep. The next night, I just made sure that the bathroom door was closed, and while I still had the same terrifying feeling that someone was staring at me, it wasn't near as bad as having to actually look at the figure. The next morning, my mum began taking pictures of everyone, and noticed a white haze over the pictures, so she began taking pictures around the room and said, Wow, I think our room is haunted. Look at all the orbs in these pictures. As if my assumptions didn't make the room seem scary enough, now my mother even began to think the same thing. However, we all just denied it and laughed it off. After all, ignorance is bliss, right? Well, we finally went back home to Pennsylvania. I couldn't be happier. That night, however... I had experienced the same feeling I had in the motel room, that same feeling that someone was staring at me. I have a large mirror near my doorway, so that's the first place I looked. 
but there was nothing there. I also have a large flat screen directly in front of my bed, but the screen is the type that doesn't exactly create a reflection. I can't explain it really, but the screen isn't made out of the same highly reflective material that most newer flat screens are now. The frame surrounding the screen, however, is very reflective. I looked at the screen first and noticed nothing strange, because it casts no reflection of course. However, I experienced the most bone-chilling feeling when I raised my gaze toward the reflective frame just above the screen. I even jumped when I saw it. A grey face, with empty dark eye sockets staring back at me. I looked away as fast as I had seen it, and looked back, only to find it still staring back at me. Keep in mind the lights were on, so I was able to see the face quite well. I tried to ignore it, but I was so overcome with fear that I had to keep checking, only to find the reflection intact. I moved around, assuming it could have been a warped, strange reflection of myself, but it stayed the same. I looked all around the room for something that could have resembled the face on the TV, but nothing matched it. I desperately tried to blame the cause of the reflection on items around the room, but nothing convinced me. I just had to spend another night in fear that I was being watched again. The next morning, I saw the reflection still, so by then, I really just thought that an object in the room most definitely had to be the cause of the reflection. However, in the afternoon, I went back to check, and the reflection was gone. At first, I thought nothing of it, and went along with my day. But at night again, as afraid as I was to look back at the TV, the reflection was still nowhere to be found. I think that's what scared me more than anything, that the reflection had changed, yet the arrangement of everything in the room had not. Whether something from the creepy motel decided to come home with me, I don't know. All I really know is that I now don't sleep without covering up the TV first. Our Haunted Hotel and the Ghost of Mr. Oxford by Un Myung. My family have always been in the hotel business, and though we only own one hotel these days, there used to be another that had belonged to my great-grandfather and was an old building built in 1930. There were once two hotels side by side. The other, named the Oxford, was owned by a man called Mr. Oxford. But when Mr. Oxford died, the hotels merged and it was taken on by my family. The hotel was passed down to my grandmother and it was when I was younger that I would spend a lot of my time there, particularly every Sunday. It wasn't just me. My brother and my two cousins were very close at the time and would usually be together. And I was the oldest and therefore in charge when the grown-ups needed some downtime. As you can imagine, ground rules needed to be set in terms of roaming and exploring the hotel and causing mischief and numerous stories were told in order to spook us into staying out of trouble. One story in particular came from my father, who was a troublemaker himself, and got a lot of joy in watching our faces fall in horror, as he told us of the grim tale of a poltergeist roaming the halls, looking for children who explore places they shouldn't. Though these tales worked for some time, as we grew older, so did our curiosity, and we became less inclined to follow the rules set for us. 
something we were definitely encouraged not to do was to go upstairs, particularly one set of stairs behind a door in the corner of the main lobby. My dad always told me that if we ever got to the top of the stairs, the poltergeist would appear and we'd never make it back down the stairs again. I mustn't have been much older than nine or ten. Our parents were having afternoon tea and that's not exciting for children. I have to admit, I was a little bit bossy in my childhood years and I had suggested that it would be a good idea to see what was really at the top of the stairs. Now this was no mean feat and we did not make it to the top of the stairs on our first attempt nor our second. We'd scared ourselves stupid around halfway up and chicken out. But we did make it all the way up one day. I don't know what suddenly gave us a burst of bravery, but we, all four of us, started up the stairs and left the door ajar behind us. Upon reaching the top of the stairs, I immediately felt a chill in the air and it became very cold. My memory from that time is a little vague. After all, it was well over ten years ago, but it was something that I will never forget entirely. Another story my dad had told us was that the poltergeist was the spirit of someone who had died in room 41, and the spirit didn't like anyone staying in there. We thought that it would be sufficiently adventurous if we were to touch the door of room 41 and then run. We never did get that far, as my cousin swore he heard someone coming down the corridor and we hot-tailed it around the corner because we wouldn't have been able to hide on the stairs. We waited, holding our breath, for the person to either walk around the corner and catch us in the act, or listened to hear them go down the stairs, but neither happened. The lights flickered on and off, and I can still remember the looks on my cousins and brothers' faces. It didn't take more than that for us to get out of there immediately. The only other thing from that day I can remember is that the door I had left ajar was shut when we tore out of there. My bossy ten-year-old self had blamed it on one of the others shutting it when I had said to leave it open, but I couldn't shake the feeling that they were telling the truth when they said that they hadn't shut it. The reason I remember this so clearly is that we still argue about it to this day. Now, there are many ways to explain these happenings, and I'm honestly somewhat sceptical of the paranormal, and pretty sure that it was the hype of our young minds, and the fear on top of my father's ghost stories, that caused us to be so sure of this poltergeist at the time. It was an old building, there was bound to be faulty wiring, drafty corridors, and unexplainable bumps and creaks. The only thing that changed my mind were the conversations I had with my dad when I grew up, long after the hotel had been closed by the government to build a shopping centre. Mr Oxford had lived in the hotel, back when his side belonged to him, and he had lived in what was then room 41. Not only had he lived there, but he had breathed his last breath there too. I was told that Mr Oxford was a lovely well-known man in his day, and was always spotted in a long grey cloak and a black hat. My dad, though sceptical like me about paranormal goings-on, is deniably a little freaked out by it, and is the first to brush things off as faulty wiring and drafts. But he did tell me honestly that there were countless times in that particular corridor where he'd see shadows disappearing around corners and cold spots, as well as lights not just flickering, but turning off and on over short periods, as if someone was playing with the light switch. The thing that bothered him was, despite having the wiring replaced, it never seemed to disappear. 
nor would it happen anywhere but that particular area of the hotel where Mr. Oxford's room had been. Sure, that can all be explained, but it would be bad for business if anyone were to shout about that we might have a ghost, which is precisely why nobody ever mentioned Mr. Oxford's death in the hotel or the happenings that occurred. It wasn't just my dad, it was other staff members and some of the chambermaids who would point-blank refuse to clean up in that corridor, much less room 41. There were reports from guests who had seen or experienced things, such as seeing a man walk right through a wall or door, or simply waking up to noises or things being moved in their room, and some even saw a man standing at the foot of their bed. Many guests were known to up and leave in the middle of the night, and some would never stay again. Need I add that these occurrences were all around the same area again? My grandmother swears to me that she also experienced something similar, and she would never lie to me about something like that. She grew up and lived in the hotel, and it wasn't until Mr Oxford's death that these things began to happen. I'm sure there are perfectly logical explanations for these, but the thing that still makes my spine shiver is that everybody that reported a sighting of a figure or ghost gave the exact same description. A tall man in a long grey coat and black hat. If this is true, I do not doubt that it was Mr Oxford himself checking up on things and seeing how his side of the hotel was faring in different hands. Who knows? I just hope that if it was him, that he has found peace now that the hotel has been demolished. Adelaide Hotel Sighting by Mackenzie 2015 Me and my husband were in Adelaide for the week and staying at the Crown Hotel. We have stayed there a number of times and not had any issues. This particular trip, we had had a big day and didn't feel like going out of our room. So we stayed in and watched Bad Boys 2 on TV. When the movie was finished, my husband randomly blurts out, Where did Satan come from? He is a new Christian, and often asks me questions about Christianity, God and the devil, so it wasn't a shock to me. I explained how Lucifer used to be the angel of music and so forth. Satisfied with my answer, he held my hand and I drifted off to sleep. I lay there, and just as I got comfortable, I heard a noise on the balcony. We were on the 12th floor. The room was ever so slightly lit by the city lights. I looked over my silent husband toward the balcony, and when I looked back towards the dark ceiling, there it was. It was a black blob at first on the ceiling. I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me. Then the blob got bigger, as if it was coming towards me. I closed my eyes tight and turned my head towards my husband on my right. Then I felt a warm breath on my left cheek. I turned my head back and opened my eyes to the black blob, which now had a face and was about five inches from my face. His eyes were dark red. His face was covered in black hair. He was panting and staring at me with so much hatred. I was frozen with fear. I felt as though I didn't even have control of my eyes to break the stare he had with me. I watch out of the corner of my right eye and see him outstretch an arm, pointing over to my husband and almost growling, 
Look what you've done to him. How dare you try to take him. Look what you've done to him. This all happened within a 20 to 30 second period, but felt like forever that he was glaring at me. I somehow had control of my hand all of a sudden and gripped my husband's hand, which was still interlocked with mine, startling him. The thing moved off me, and I lay there blankly staring at the ceiling, breathing heavily. I then heard my husband say, What the fuck is that? And his grip get tighter on my hand. I snapped myself out of my blank stare, and watched my husband shuffle up to the bed with his back to the headboard. There was just enough light coming in from the city outside to see he had an absolutely terrified look on his face. I said to him, what? What are you seeing? His eyes were fixed on something, moving at the end of the bed. His eyes followed something to the corner of the roof and fixated. He finally spoke to me, his eyes still fixed on the corner of the ceiling. I, I just watched something come up from leaning over you. It walked in front of the picture to the end of the bed, and it's sitting up there. Can't you see it? I couldn't see anything, but he was absolutely freaked. He wouldn't let go of my hands, and I asked if he would pray with me, as it's the only way to make it go. His eyes wouldn't leave that spot on the ceiling. As I touched his cheek, tears were rolling down his face. I have seen him cry once in five years. Nothing makes him cry. We prayed together, and he said he couldn't see it anymore. We had a bit of trouble going to sleep that night. The Crescent Hotel, by Just Another Tory. This story takes place in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. The town itself is known for being a haunted town. It's a tourist town located in the Ozark Mountains in northern Arkansas. If you've never been here, it is definitely a place to visit, and one of the most famous places to visit here, in this small Victorian town, is an old hotel which is set on top of a beautiful mountain. It is known as the 1886 Crescent Hotel. This hotel is known as one of the most haunted places in the United States. My husband and I have visited this hotel on at least five occasions. Of course, others have explored and toured this hotel, including Taps. Here's a little backstory on the hotel first. It started construction in 1884. Now, keep in mind, this was a time when the healing waters of the Ozarks had become well known across the nation. People from near and far were swarming to the area in hopes of curing their ailments and easing their pains. The developers of the Crescent Hotel and Spa planned to take advantage of these many travellers by building the most luxurious hotel in the country. Immediately, the well-to-do of the nation began to flock to the luxurious resort hotel. Once there, the guests could not only enjoy the healing waters of the spa, but also a stable of a hundred sleek-coated horses, tea dances in the afternoon, and elaborate parties every evening with a full in-house orchestra. However, the prosperity was not to last. After the turn of the century, people began to realise that the acclaimed healing waters did not have the curative powers that the hotel and the city were so known for. Little by little, people stopped coming to the beautiful resort. From 1908 to 1924, the building was used 
as the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women. However, after operating for 16 years, the revenue from tuition was not high enough to maintain the costs of running the large building, and the Women's College closed. After sitting abandoned for the next six years, it was briefly reopened as a junior college from 1930 to 1934. In 1937, a man named Norman Baker arrived on the scene and brought the Ojing Hotel for the purpose of opening a cancer hospital and health resort, advertising miracle cures that required neither surgery nor painful extensive tests. The Baker Hospital alleged that its patients would walk away from the resort cancer-free. However, what was unknown to the many desperate patients who flocked to the hospital was that Norman Baker's miracle was nothing more than a scam that he had been purporting on unsuspecting patients for years. The man had absolutely no medical training and had been convicted in Iowa in 1936 for practicing medicine without a license. Also, the American Medical Association had condemned the many elixirs that were sold for a number of different ailments, including cancer. While operating the hospital, Baker was being investigated by federal authorities, and in 1939 was finally arrested for mail fraud. One US postal inspector estimated that Baker had as much as $500,000 per year selling his miracle elixirs through the mail while in Eureka Springs. Baker was convicted to serve a four-year sentence in Leavenworth. The investigation revealed that over the years, Baker had defrauded cancer patients out of approximately $4 million. It has been said that many of Baker's patients never returned home after checking in for treatments. However, more than a dozen people ended up missing. As the story goes, Baker had each of his dying patients write to their loved ones to tell them that they had been cured and were going to leave the centre, and for some reason, they were never seen again. He never admitted to killing anyone, but after Baker's death in 1958, a nurse who worked with Baker said that the people who died from treatments were most likely buried on the property somewhere after their agonising deaths. Over the next several years, the hotel passed through several hands as repairs and more restorations were made. On September the 6th, 2002, after $5 million in restorations, the Grand Hotel had been fully restored to its original stately glory. Now, on to the paranormal stuff. Staff and guests alike tell stories of a number of ghosts that are still said to inhabit this beautiful old hotel. The most often cited apparition is that of a red-haired Irish stonemason, who the staff have dubbed Michael. Allegedly, Michael was one of the original masons who worked on the building of the hotel in 1885. However, while working on the roof, he lost his balance and fell to the second floor area and was killed. This area now houses room 218 of the hotel and is said to be the most haunted guest room. Michael is often heard pounding loudly on the walls. Others have witnessed hands coming out of the bathroom mirror and heard cries of what sounded like a man falling into the ceiling. Yet other guests have been shaken during the night, and on one occasion, a man ran screaming from the room, professing to have seen blood splattered all over its walls. 
The lingering spirit of a nurse, dressed all in white, is often seen pushing a gurney on the third floor. Only spotted after 11, the time which they used to move the deceased out of the cancer hospital, the ghostly spirit vanishes when she reaches the end of the hallway. Others who have not seen the apparition have reported the sounds of squeaks and rattles that sound like a gurney rolling down the hallway. Now, here's something incredibly creepy. The basement of this hotel was once used as the morgue, and this area still houses Dr. Baker's old autopsy table and walk-in freezer. Also located on the third floor is the laundry area, where a hotel maintenance man once witnessed all of the washers and dryers inexplicably turning on by themselves in the middle of the night. The hotel's crystal dining room is another place in the hotel that is said to contain frequent paranormal activity. Here, other Victorian dressed apparitions have often been encountered. Many have seen groups of 1890s dancers in full dress attire, whirling around the room in the wee hours of the morning. Others tell of a 19th century gentleman who has been seen sitting at a table near the windows. When approached, he says, I saw the most beautiful woman here last night, and I'm waiting for her to return. The apparition of the greedy Dr. Baker himself has also been seen in the old recreation room in the basement and at the foot of the first floor stairway, dressed in a purple shirt and white linen suit and looking somewhat confused. The apparition appears identical to old photographs of the infamous quack. Another remnant of the old hospital days is the ghostly figure who calls herself Theodora. Often seen by housekeepers in room 419, Theodora courteously introduces herself as a cancer patient before quickly vanishing. One other often reported spirit is that of a young female who once attended the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women. According to the tale, the young girl either jumped from or was pushed from a balcony to her death. Today, guests report hearing her screams as she falls. On my first visit to this historic hotel, I entered the lobby and was greeted by a cold burst of air. My husband and mother were both with me at the time, and neither of them felt the air rush that I got. While in the lobby, a female guest was complaining to the front desk that she kept getting a text message every few hours on her phone, but there was no number there. The text kept saying, 12.31.01. She couldn't understand it. The front desk told her that he was baffled as well. However, the hotel was closed on that exact date, because of a terrible ice storm, and the people who were staying at the hotel were stuck there for a good week. That just freaked her out, and she returned to her room. I immediately went in to use the bathroom, after hearing how haunted it was, and was a little disappointed, as nothing ghostly happened in there. The hotel, however, was beautiful. The spiral-type staircase went from the basement to the fourth floor. On our way up the stairs, all three of us got the feeling of vertigo, and my husband started feeling sick. He said it felt like it was an inner ear infection or something. He just felt so incredibly dizzy. As we made our way to the second floor, we decided to ditch the stairs and use the elevator. I got in the elevator and instantly got the feeling 
as if I was going to have an immediate panic attack, and I don't have panic attacks. I told them that I would take the stairs and meet them on the fourth floor to see the beautiful view. I kept finding myself holding onto the railing for dear life. I passed another guest on the stairs who was having the same problem. He laughed as he passed me and said, You know, a five-year-old died a while back on this very staircase. He was on the fourth floor and had an inner ear infection. He lost his balance and fell all the way down to the basement. Died instantly. Since then, these stairs have been impossible to climb without hanging on. I thought, inner ear infection? That's what my husband mentioned, and we had no idea about that. Scary. Upon reaching the fourth floor, I noticed there was a nice little restaurant and bar up there, right across from what used to be Dr. Baker's office. It was even labelled as such. They also had old diagrams hanging on the wall of the human body that Dr. Baker used to use. That really freaked me out. My mother said that most of the weird happenings are probably brought on by the fact that they still have all that old stuff from when it was a hospital. Somehow that would not surprise me. The view was gorgeous from the fourth floor. We took a lot of pictures in and out of the hotel. I got lots of orbs and weird specks of light. It's a scary place, but also very awesome to go ghost hunting. You don't even have to be a registered guest at the hotel to go in and explore. The front desk and housekeepers are used to curious people coming in to see one of the most haunted hotels around. Of all the times we have been to the hotel, we never saw anything like a ghost pushing a gurney or a woman dressed in a Victorian gown. But on my last visit to the hotel, I kept hearing the name Michael whispered in my ear over and over again. It felt like a guy was following me and whispering in my ear. I think my husband thought I was losing it until he went in to use the bathroom and all of the water faucets came on while he was in there. I was outside the door and no one else came in or out the entire time he was in there. We haven't been back since, but I would jump at the chance to go right back there again. I'm very much intrigued with this place and just love to hear all of the strange paranormal happenings that take place there. So, if you ever find yourself in northern Arkansas, in the Ozark Mountains, maybe you'll want a nice haunted place to spend the night. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like and also subscribe to the channel, making sure to hit that notification bell so that you never miss a video. So, until next time, sleep tight.